Right. Thanks, man. Good to see everyone. Hope you're doing well. I can't hear you, but I'm sure you're there. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we're going to be digging into this passage together that, um, that Joel read for us. And Sean, could you toggle the camera? I think I'm sort of falling off the edge here. Oh, yeah, that's a good... Thanks, Rich. Much appreciated. And I'm a little purple as well. I think that light there might need pivoting. <laughs> Glenn was very subtly going to do it. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, I think we're, we're all there with the adjustments. Yeah, tell you what. Much smoother than last week so far, hey. <laughs> but let's not hold our breath. All right. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5. Get into the tail end of it now. And uh, yeah, Joel, as you were reading, uh, you were probably thinking, wow, such a, a short verse. You <laughs> got to the end of it and thought, that's it, done. <laughs> Goes very quickly. But um, yes, yeah, I've been preparing uh, and looking into these verses, uh, like I've so often referred to this section of scripture, actually, uh, in my own life and um, encourage other people to look into it as well, because these, these few short verses are so crucial and so important. Um, to the Christian faith. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like this, but you may have been. Um, you've gone uh, to um, a church service, maybe a church um, you've been a part of, or you've gone out to a particular service or church gathering, and uh, during the event, um, someone comes up to you, maybe you know them, maybe they don't, but they said, brother, sister, I've got a picture that God's given me. I wanted to share it with you. Have you ever had that experience? Ever had someone come and say that? In that moment, when you get asked, you know, I want to share it with you. I want to, the Lord's given me a word and I want to share it with you, a picture. What goes on in your heart? What flies through your mind? <laughs> and it might be different depending on who the person is. Maybe you can think back right now to moments where that's happened. Maybe you've never experienced that. And if you've never experienced that, I want you to imagine it happening. Someone comes to you and says, you know, the Lord's given me a picture and you're a part of it and I want to share it with you. What would you do? What would you say to them? Let me read these verses again. Very um, wise words from our brother Paul. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And there's this excellent balance that Paul strikes here that is so um, inspired by the Holy Spirit himself between just taking everything wholesale and, oh, yep, gobbling it all down <laughs> or saying, no, nope, not having any of that. It's just too dangerous too, whatever, going to lead me down the garden path. There's a right way to walk here, brothers and sisters, and a wrong way. And this passage is giving us some very helpful insight. And the thing that I desire most out of all this is simply that we live out these verses. If you are able to do this, if you are able to live out in your life these few verses, you put them into practice in your life and you seek to do them, it will change your life. You'll be empowered. You'll, be, um, you'll have discernment. You'll grow in discernment. The Holy Spirit will be able to move in your life in power, which is a wonderful thing, a great blessing. But if you fail to put them in the practice, well, I'll get to that. <laughs> the consequences are high. 
But what does it mean? These opening words here in this part that Paul writes are, do not quench the Spirit, do not despise prophecies. What does it mean to quench the Holy Spirit? It's like when you quench your thirst. You're feeling very thirsty for something and then you drink and suddenly you don't feel that anymore. Or another way of putting it, um, and the Holy Spirit is often like an image of fire. In the scripture we see that. Imagine a fire, you pour a bucket of water over it, the fire goes out. That's the effect that quenching the Holy Spirit has. The Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, He is seeking to be among us to work. You might not at times have that sense. And it's harder during COVID when we're not gathering together. Um, You might not have that sense that the Holy Spirit is at work, but He is always seeking to work and to do the Father's will here on earth, to see the life of Christ made manifest in uh, the disciples of Jesus. He is always at work. And so... The Holy Spirit is seeking to achieve something in your life. Even now, He might be wanting to do something. I hope He is. I seek that He is. I want to be in step with Him. Are you seeking that yourself? Because each one of us can quench the Holy Spirit without even realizing it, just by making a simple decision and saying, oh, I don't want to go there, or that's going to be too difficult, or oh, I've seen what, that, what happens when people open themselves up to the Holy Spirit. Whoa, you don't want to go down that path. But Paul's word is this, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not extinguish what the Holy Spirit is seeking to do. Never do that and seek to stop doing that. There are many ways in which we do that. I'm going to get to that. The next thing he says here, verse 20, is do not despise prophecy. Well, what is prophecy? Have you ever tried to define prophecy and figure out what is prophecy? It's a very big topic, actually. And uh, it's all through the scripture, you know, the prophets from the Old Testament, and it features quite strongly in the New Testament as well. So what is prophecy? What is it? Often, what I've found as I've um, moved around in Christian circles is the first thing that comes to people's mind when they think about prophecy is the prediction of a future event. The book of Revelation, for example, is a prophetic book. It's predicting future events. Or, you know, someone brings a word, a prophetic word, and the expectation is when a prophetic word is brought, that it will be somehow predicting something in the future, something that's going to happen. This is a very true and real element of prophecy. But as I've delved into it, I've discovered there's actually another significant element which is consistent all the way through Scripture, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And it's this element which takes very seriously the Word of God and it simply applies it and says, if this is how we live, this will be the outcome. And you see that even like, for example, Moses, right when Israel about to enter the promised land, he goes through these blessings and curses and he says, if you follow the Lord your God, this is, will be the blessings. If you fail to, this will be the curses. And you know what happened? With time, the Lord raised up prophets and they simply applied what Moses had taught them. They looked at that and they said, you know what? I believe that, that if we don't follow the covenant that God has laid out for us, the, the land will vomit us out as it says. It's powerful imagery. And so these men, they started to preach, and woman, Deborah was a prophetess, but these people, they started to preach and to proclaim to the people, Israel and Judah, and say, look, can you see the direction you're going in? Turn, repent, turn away from your wicked ways. You're like Sodom and Gomorrah. That's the book of Isaiah opens like that. Read chapter one. It's a heavy prophetic word. And it predicts the future in the sense of, if you're not going to do this, 
This will be the outcome. And that's simply the reality, <laughs> like most of us know, you, rope, you reap what you sow. And so there's this very broad prophetic uh, way of prophesying, I suppose you could say, which simply believes and applies the truths of Scripture to a particular people in a particular time and says, you know what, this is going to be the fruit. If you do this, it will go well with you. If you do this, it will not go well with you. And that carries through all the way in the, into the New Testament. And you see that in the teaching of Christ as well. He was very strong at times, telling people to repent, talking about the realities of hell. But he also talked about blessings as well. So when you think about what prophecy is, think more than just predicting the future. A strong prophetic word can come like it did from the lips of Jeremiah and is powerfully convicting and saying repent. And it can also be, you know what? In 70 years, once Judah goes into exile, there will be people returning back here to rebuild this temple. And that's a, a future prediction from Jeremiah that came true. So think of prophecy in that broader sense, not just a narrow, it's predicting the future. That's a part of it, but not all of it. Let me read to you two passages from the New Testament, which capture a bit of what I'm saying. The first is uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14. And I suppose as I've wrestled with these two sort of aspects, you have, I suppose, an element where, where people really emphasize, you know, this sort of future uh, prediction um, element of prophecy and, you know, receiving a word from the Lord, an image or a vision or that sort of a thing. And the Lord definitely does work in that way and powerfully. We see that in the New Testament. We're in the book of Thessalonians and Paul got to Thessalonica because of a vision that he received. Remember the man in Macedonia begging him to come. And Thessalonica is a city in Macedonia. That's how we got to this place, right? Through a vision that the Lord gave Paul. It's very real and true. Do not despise prophecy. <laughs> Let's fulfill that word. But then again, this element of calling to repentance, of turning away, you know, the Old, uh, old Testament, you know, tear, tear your garments, you know, put on sackcloth and ashes, you know. Or people would be doing that outwardly and the prophets would start saying, you know what, you're rending your garments, you need to rend your hearts. You see that they're cutting into what God is trying to do to bring about a people for himself. And so as I've thought about this, I'm still carrying this definition loosely. So test it, test everything, test what I'm saying to you now. This is a loose definition that I'm working with on prophecy. Prophecy is a message revealed by God to a person that is then proclaimed by them. And that accompanies a lot of stuff. But if that hasn't happened, if it hasn't been from a revelation from God given to a person, or that might happen, they might receive a revelation, but if they don't proclaim anything, <laughs> the prophecy, the, the action of the human hasn't been fulfilled. There's a human element in prophecy and there's a very divine element. You can't neglect either of those for prophecy to take place. You need both the person and the Lord. Each has to play their part. Let's read a few verses here. So this is 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. There's a work of the Holy Spirit here. And we know that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given. The purpose of them is to build the body. So prophecy even in the New Testament, is to build the body of Christ. It's to do that. Let me read to you here a, a helpful verse as well that I found from 2 Peter uh, chapter 1. 
And our, um, my growth group went through Second Peter recently and uh, it has a lot in it, very rich. This is Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20. No prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. See that? It cannot happen apart from God, only by a person. If it's only a person, it's not prophecy. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Do you see that God is revealing, opening up, helping a particular person to see a truth, a reality? It could be in the future. It could be a, a spiritual reality where people have neglected something. And the Lord is revealing that to that person, that that might speak forth, carried by the Holy Spirit. And what our passage in uh, Thessalonians is telling us is to not neglect prophecy. Do not despise it. And unfortunately, it's easily done. You may have seen times in your own life where you've despised prophecy. You may have been open to it at points and then at times closed. You might have... Uh, been open and then had a bad experience or someone else you know has had a bad experience and you started to shut it out or maybe you questioned the person's motive and so you shut out not only what they were saying but whatever every other uh, person uh, was speaking to you do not despise prophecy why would we despise the holy uh, quench the holy spirit why would this why would we despise prophecy there's many reasons. I think fear is a big one. I've seen that at times in my life. You know what? I've at times held the Holy Spirit at arm's length. He helped me to see this a few years back, that I've been holding Him at arm's length and was apprehensive to receive Him more deeply in my life. Do you know why? Because I was afraid of being labeled as a Pentecostal. That's true. Would you like, if you opened your life to the Holy Spirit... Someone saying, oh, look at that guy, so charismatic. Or that woman, you know, she was down the line and then, you know, she started, woo, you know, now she's swinging off the chandeliers, as people say. Are you prepared to go through that kind of shame from other brothers and sisters, perhaps? Maybe your own family? Because you want to not quench the Holy Spirit. This is where the rubber hits the road and where you see right now what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do in each of us is to help individually each of us identify areas in our life where we're holding him at arm's length and he's done that in my life i've just given you an example he wants to do that in your life and maybe he has maybe you need to work with through um something with him and confess or open your heart that's a work of prophecy there you know <laughs> you see that it's a changing of heart to align with god so there's there can often be a fear which prevents us or fear of being burnt, or seeing other people being burnt. So we lock the Holy Spirit out, or we won't have control, so we keep Him at arm's length. Another significant thing which help, makes us keep the Holy Spirit at arm's length often, or despise prophecy, is being confronted by sin. Have you ever had someone come and say, you know what, I feel uncomfortable with the way this is happening in your life? Have you ever viewed that as prophecy? That's what Jeremiah was doing. He was like, I'm looking at you. I'm living here among you, you people of Israel. I am feeling uncomfortable with this. Please stop. Do you see what's going to happen? There's something coming on the horizon. A country is going to come out of the north. 
Let me read to you a verse uh, from John chapter 3, which is, I've found very helpful. And I think it gives a great insight into why often we despise prophecy or we uh, keep the Holy Spirit at arm's length. We quench Him. I'll use Paul's word. We quench the Holy Spirit. This is John 3 verse 19. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. You see, that's what happened in Christ. When Christ came, he was the light of God made manifest and he burned so brightly that people, they just didn't want to come near him. Do you remember when the Lord manifested his glory and uh, Peter cast the nets out and he took all his fish up? Peter's response was, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. He couldn't come near. He didn't want to be around Christ. That was Peter's words at one point to Jesus. That is the response And he went on to be an excellent disciple of Christ. So don't don't feel that uh, or judge yourself so highly and think, oh, I I wouldn't block the light out in my life. No, Peter the Apostle did it himself. And at times there are other points where we see he did that. Our response when we have sin, when we're recognizing our own wickedness and the Holy Spirit is revealing that to us or making it known to us, either through a prophetic word or convicting us through the scripture, whatever it is, our response naturally is to say, oh, you know, you feel the shame of being brought out into the light or you don't want to let go of the sin that you're holding on to and the delight that it's giving you, even though temporary that it is. You feel it's too much work. That is quenching the Holy Spirit. If it comes in a prophetic manner, that is despising prophecy. But... Whoever does what is true comes to the light so that may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. You see, that expresses a dependence when you're able to come into the light and say, Lord, I can't do this on my own. It's not possible. I need your help. And then you manifest the light yourself by the power of Jesus Christ and you become a living testimony to the glory of God. So let's be careful that we don't quench or despise prophecy. You see, when we do this, what happens, right? The Holy Spirit is trying to move among us or is trying to move particularly in your life. He's trying to do something. Again, He's working to see God's will come. When we quench the Holy Spirit, you know what it's like? Um, we're missing out on all these things. But the image that came to mind, when I was a kid, um, I used to go sailing actually. And I sailed in a boat um, with a guy um, from church, just the two of us. It's called a mirror, the ty- kind of yacht we sailed. And what you can do when you're sailing, you can, if the wind's coming towards me like this, you can't, of course you can't sail straight into the wind, but what you can do is you can actually sail on an angle like this and the wind will hit the sails and it will propel the boat in this direction. But if I'm wanting to go towards you, the boat has to do what's called a tack and you go back this direction and you get pushed that way and you tack back and forth like this and you're able to move in the direction you want. You can't go directly there, but by tacking backwards and forwards you can. When we quench the Holy Spirit, you see the Spirit is like wind in this, in this illustration, right? So the Holy Spirit is there and He's propelling us in a direction, okay? And we're moving in that direction. But let's say, you know, on this angle, you're going to take a long time. 
it's going to take a long time. But the more you can point into the wind, the greater you'll be able to move in that direction. If you oversteer though, and you point directly into the wind, <laughs> I remember this happening a few times, the, the, the sails, they just flap awkwardly and you go nowhere. You're dead in the water. You have no possibility of propelling yourself forward. And you see, the Holy Spirit is trying to do something. He's blowing, he's moving. But you have such position yourself that you quench the Holy Spirit and you're not able to move as he's wanting you to move. That is an illustration of what it is to quench the Holy Spirit. And when he's doing stuff individually in our lives or in us as a church, as the Vine Hurstbridge, because he's bringing us together corporately as well. So we each have a part to play in this, to discern what the Holy Spirit is doing and to not quench it. To say, if one of us is a bit fearful and we say, oh, you know, I don't want to do that, and you point into the wind, you're going to be, have your sails flapping. <clears throat> Same is true if we do that as a church. If we sense the Holy Spirit is wanting us to do something as a church, yet maybe we fear or we're unsure or whatever it might be. Yep, we can be dead in the water, fl flapping in the wind there with our sails, not meeting what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do. And you see as well, let's have a look, uh, think briefly about the consequences of quenching, um, of despising prophecy. I'm going to give you two prophets. <clears throat> One was um, Jonah and the other Jeremiah. Jonah went to the city of Nineveh and he preached, he prophesied repentance. And the city of Nineveh repented and the Lord re relented. He was going to bring about this great destruction over all the people. He stopped and didn't do that. Jeremiah, same deal. He preached to the people of Judah in the city of Jerusalem. They did not repent. They did not heed. And the Lord destroyed that city and took them out. Rich, could I have my water? Sorry about this. I'm getting a bit of frog in the throat. <laughs> so you can see the fruit of not heeding prophecy, of despising it. The people of Judah despised prophecy and it was very costly for them. People were, people were slaughtered, put to death, all that sort of a thing. And that was under the old covenant, as Hebrews says, how much more then under the new covenant will the consequences of despising prophecy be? This is, this is why it's so important. We've got to really heed this word. What is happening here? But again, right? We've got to be careful. We can't just say, all right, well, let's just open to everything, you know, the Holy Spirit is wanting to say, I mean, absolutely in word, <laughs> like in heart, but we've got to be discerning. That's what Paul's saying. The very next word out of his pen is this, test everything. And you've got to be doing that. You've got to test what I say. <laughs> How much of you are holding the scripture up? You know, when I preach, you're flicking back and forward and seeing, oh, is that, is that true? Or you're you're, you're thinking about another passage and you're testing what I'm saying against it. Because I tell you what, I have at times realized, oh, I've taught things incorrectly or I would teach that differently. Even at the time since I've been at um, the campus pass at Hurstbridge, I've realized, you know what, I need to change what I'm doing there. And I would appreciate it if people come to me and said, you know what, Oliver, I'm wrestling with what you're saying there. It made me feel uncomfortable. That's helpful because I want to grow. And again, I might discern something differently, you know, and we've got to work that out. But I want to be open if the Lord is using you to speak into my life and vice versa. But test everything. You see, there's a few verses here that are important to share again. 2 Corinthians 11, um, 
verse 14. And uh, yeah, I was uh, writing weekly about uh, the names of Satan recently. And uh, one of the things, and how Christ has power over all the work of Satan. But one of the things that uh, Paul says of Satan is that, this is 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Did you know that? That, that our enemy... He tries to come across as an angel or maybe he tries to come across even as the Holy Spirit himself. He tries to disguise himself in that way. And if you believe him, wow, he's going to take you down the garden path and more. And that's why we went through 1 John last year. I'm reminding you of things now. <laughs> 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Many false prophets. More than what you would expect out there in the world as false prophets. If you're just believing everything that someone says, I have a word from the Lord for you, or this is a dream that I have, or a vision, or this is a, a you know, you need to um, repent in this area of your life. You've got to test that. The Holy Spirit says, test the spirits. He says that himself. Don't just believe it's me. Test and see if it's me. That's what he's saying to you. Are you doing that? If you're not, <laughs> it's on you. <laughs> and you'll be experiencing the fruit of that. Um, not everything, brothers and sisters, that is supernatural is from heaven, is from God. Some of it is counterfeit, is from Satan. You imagine Moses and Aaron, you know, they're walking in to, to bring the people of Israel out of Egypt imagine, you know, Aaron casting down his, his staff, it turns into a snake. And then one of the court magicians does that and it turns into a snake as well. Imagine Moses and Aaron saying, wow, that's amazing. You guys can do that too? You're from God? That's great. You know, wow, we're friends here. Ridiculous. No? Ridiculous. It was a supernatural thing. It was exactly the same event, same type of miracle, except the Lord manifested his greater power in that Moses' snake consumed and ate all the other snakes and there was a point where he outstripped the workings of those spirits there that were not of God but you get my point you need to test the spirits test prophetic words test things I'm going to give you a brief illustration here um, to make this point got my props all right this is your life I've reduced you to, I don't know if you can see that, maybe if I hold it in front of me. It's a glass. I've reduced you to a glass, but you're a, a beautiful vessel. Now, you have here someone else's life and they're pouring into yours. Maybe it's a prophetic word, maybe it's a work of the Holy Spirit and you receive that and you have this beautiful, clean work of God in your life. It's a blessing to you. And you experience that and you say, that was great. Praise God. Look at what happened. And then someone else comes. And you're like, wow, they've also got water. Look, they're trying, they're seeking to minister as well. See that? They're in the church. They're, they're, they're a brother in Christ, whatever it might be. And you say, yes, I'll take some of that too. You know, I'll open my heart. What happened to your life? You see all the filth and the dirt? The pain, the disappointment, the discouragement, the fear. Some of you have experienced this. This has probably happened to you. I'm not thinking of anyone in particular, but 
this occurrence is regular, brothers and sisters. It happens a lot. And so what God is wanting us to do is this. Test everything. This is a sieve, a filter. If this is your life and someone comes along and they said, I've got a word for you. What do you do? I know what to do. I get my sieve out, get my filter. Make sure you do this for your sake, for the sake of the church, for the sake of the people that you're going to minister to. Because if you're filled up like this, what are you going to minister out? A lot of rubbish. There's some good stuff in there as well. But someone comes to you and says, I've got something to speak or I've got a word. Pop your filter on. <laughs> do it like this, really. I'm saying it to you. Please do it. Please. The stakes are high. And then someone says, I, I want to speak to you. I'm like, great, do it. Please speak to me. And look at what happened. Look at what you did. With your filter... You took out all the junk, but you didn't throw it all out. You fulfilled Paul's word. You tested everything and you held on to the good. You got the good stuff out of it because there was good stuff there. It, you didn't say, oh, I'm not going to take any of that. I can see you've got rubbish there. You filtered out and you got the good stuff because there's often a lot of good stuff going around. And you see, that's the thing. Someone said to me once, or I was listening to a preacher, and they said, you know why there's so much deception and heresy, it's because it's mixed in with truth. If everyone was just, there was an absolute lie, everyone would just see it for what it is. You know, you can't point to something pink and call it green. <laughs> but if you point to something that's, you know, an orangey red, you know, and then in the light it looks pink and they say it's pink, then, okay, maybe you might believe it. Falsehood comes and we take it on board when we mix it in with truth. And again, someone might be coming to you, you know, with a word to speak to you, you know, and, and they use scripture. You're like, great, they've been using scripture. Brothers and sisters, Satan uses scripture. Think about it. What did he do when he came to Jesus? How did he tempt him? You, you've got to have that filter on. Doesn't matter who it is. With me, put the filter on, please. I'm asking you. <clears throat> keep filtering but do not despise prophecy and do not quench the spirit some of you have got a filter on that looks like this it's solid and you put that over pause in nothing goes into your life from the holy spirit nothing goes in because your filter is so strong you strain out everything and you quench the Holy Spirit because you're so fearful to receive anything. Do not do that. Test everything. Hold on to the good. But don't despise prophecy. Don't quench the Spirit. Seek those things. Paul says, earnestly desire the greater gifts. Man, we want to see prophetic gifts raised up in this church. Don't you? We want to see gifts of healing. We want to see gifts of teaching, of preaching. Gifts of administration, of hospitality. We want to see people filled with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, with love, joy, genuine joy, peace, all of these things. This is the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of prophecy as well by the Spirit. 
So we don't want to quench any of this, but we need to test everything. I need some more water myself now. But I'm taking it from my drink bottle, not the glass. <laughs> I should say as well, if you realize that you've got something and you've received something that isn't of God and you've got some dirt in you, that's all right. God is with you. He's able to cleanse you. That's the word that Jesus spoke to his disciples in John 15. He said, you're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. He talked about pruning that as well. And so use the word of God. Use your brothers and sisters. Use your discernment to understand the things that are in you that are not of God. I'm going to give you two experiences that I've had um, with people coming to give me a prophetic word. One was um, someone shared with me, um, I've got three pictures for you, Oliver. And uh, one of the pictures was a parrot. One of the pictures was a Shanghai, which is like a slingshot. And the third picture was of a sunflower. And then they accompanied that and they said, this is... Uh, this is what I believe the meaning is for you. And I didn't know this person very well at all, really. They'd, they'd rarely seen me. Um, and they, they said, the parrot is like you, you've got a voice and you can talk. You can speak out. And I was like, well, yep, that's true. <laughs> Maybe some of you uh, think, oh, I need to put a muzzle on that parrot sometimes. <laughs> but you can speak out. The sunflower, it follows the sun, which is like God. And you're looking at God and you follow Him throughout the day. Wherever the sun goes, that's where you turn. That's what you face. You pivot and follow Him. And the Shanghai is a weapon and it's very accurate. And it hits its target. And I, I held that at arm's length a bit. You know, I was like, I'm not just taking this wholesale. Oh, great. You know, someone's giving me these pictures, you know, awesome. But I was wrestling with this. Lord, is this from you? And I've tested it. And the more that I've tested it, those three words, even though I heard them years ago, those three pictures have stayed with me to this day and I still find a truth for my life there expressed through those words. Or captured is probably a better word. It captures a truth about my life. And if you think about those things, you can say, yeah, they're applicable to me. They're applicable to who I am. I'll give you another experience. Um, someone came to me once and said, Oliver, I've, I've got a picture and you're there with Christ there's actually a wall in between you of bricks and there's things that have, have built up in your life which are preventing you from coming from Christ. And I remember sitting there and I was wrestling with this word and I was like, Lord, I want to be open and I want to know what you're speaking here. And so I started testing my life and I was like, yeah, well, definitely. I wouldn't say I'm, I'm you know, uh, a, a pure and holy person by any means, but I'm working towards that. And so there are things that I can would say in my life, yeah, they're not of God and I'm working towards removing them. But as I thought about it more, I was like, but a brick wall, like that is like really, you know, maybe a few bricks here and there, but an actual wall. And as I tested that word further and I thought more about a few things, the Holy Spirit gave me a particular insight and thought, you know what, I need to reject that word. And as I discerned that, I was thinking, you know what, I think that was more born, that word or that picture and that person, I believe they generally had that picture come to them. But I believe that picture was born more out of them than out of God. And so I, I rejected it. I said, I'm not going to believe that. You see, the difference is, right, is belief. If I've believed that word, then I'm going to be saying, oh, I've got a problem in my relationship with God. I need to sort out. I need to work through. But if I say, you know, Lord, that's not of you. 
then I'm not working through this problem that, you know, doesn't exist. But the flip side can be true, right? If I reject that and it is true, I'm not going to work through a problem that I have got. And so the importance is to test everything and to discern it. You can see that. And you can see the importance that belief has in this. So, what I'm going to do to close is just read those verses and then pray that we fulfill this as a church. Because it has such a great effect to see the power of the Holy Spirit come as we ourselves as a church and individually are filled with what He wants, to see His fire burning among us, to see the power of um, yeah, prophecy being proclaimed in our midst, but to test everything. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Holy Spirit, we just recognize that we need your help to really fulfill this because there is a, a challenge um, and there's discernment needed. It, it's such feels such a fine line between, you know, really wanting and desiring the Holy Spirit, yet, you know, putting this filter on and saying, is this from you, God? Or is this prophetic word from you? And, and so easily we can have a few negative experiences, Lord, and, and hold things at arm's length or reject it. But Lord, we want to see your gifts that you've given your body fan into flame into our midst that we as a body might be built up. And so Holy Spirit, I pray firstly for those people right now who might be quenching your spirit in some way or despising prophecies in some way, shape or form. Lord, may, you may have already revealed something very specifically uh, to those people. I ask that they would be able to just uh, release, let go of fear, um, of perhaps a past experience, Lord, an experience of others that they've heard about, of having a particular label or whatever it might be. Lord, may each of us seek to honor and glorify your name first and foremostly. And that is not quenching your Holy Spirit, but desiring the things of your Spirit and prophetic, the prophetic Lord. Father, we, I also want to pray for those of us who have not tested everything. And at times we've received things which have done a negative work, which have not been of you, God, but have been from man. And Lord, each one of us is working to purify our lives. So what we pour out by your Holy Spirit into others is a pure thing, not of us, but of the living God. Lord, may we do this together as a church. And, and I believe, Father, in fact, I could prophesy and predict that we would change as a church as this happens. Because I know that we would reap what we sow, Lord, as we sow in testing everything, as we sow in not quenching the Spirit and not despising prophecy, Lord, there will be a harvest to reap there. And we would just receive every good and abstain from every form of evil, Father. And that is your desire for us. That is your heart, Lord, that we wouldn't be fooled into receiving something that is a counterfeit from Satan or something that uh, uh, a person is trying to give us, Lord, but that we would only receive what is from God and that we'd seek that ourselves that we might be able to give that. Lord, yeah, may we do this unto your glory. In the name of Christ, amen.